Wisdom, the final frontier to true knowledge. Welcome to Wisdom Trek, where our mission is to create a legacy of wisdom, to seek out discernment and insights, to boldly grow where few have chosen to grow before. Hello, my friend. I am Guthrie Chamberlain, your captain on our journey to increase wisdom and create a living legacy. Thank you for joining us today as we explore wisdom on our second millennium of podcast. This is day 1053 of our trek and time for our Philosophy Friday series. Each Friday, we will ponder some of the basic truths and mysteries of life and how they can impact us in creating our living legacy. As we continue on this trek called life, sometimes we have questions about life. So our Friday's trek is a time where we can ask Gramps. Gramps will answer your questions that you would like to ask your dad or granddad, but for whatever reason, this is not possible. No matter how old we are, I know that all of us would like the opportunity to ask dad or Gramps questions about life in many areas. Understanding ourselves better and how others may interpret life through their paradigm will allow us to interact with each other with more love and compassion. This can be achieved by utilizing a profound tool called the Enneagram. This tool we refer to as the Enneagram is a circle with nine interconnected points. Ennea refers to nine and Graham refers to a drawing. Check out today or a prior week's wisdom journal for a representation of it. I have also included a one-page Enneagram summary created by Beth McCord. If you'd like to download this graphic, click on the picture in today's wisdom journal. For additional insights, I also recommend the book, The Road Back to You, written by Ian Morgan Cron and Suzanne Stabile. It is an excellent book on the Enneagram journey to self-discovery from a Christian perspective. We have concluded our deep dive into the nine personality types, which are the reformer, the helper, the achiever, the individualist, the investigator, the loyalist, the enthusiast, the challenger, and the peacemaker. Eleven weeks ago, we began a series of episodes on type combinations. What are the potential relationship benefits and issues with each combination? Covering all 45 different potential type combinations will take a total of 15 weeks, but will be very valuable in understanding each other, regardless of what type you are and what type those whom you interact with are. Since we are exploring the Enneagram in detail, I would also recommend reading the Wisdom Journal each Friday to see the diagrams presented each week. As helpful as the Enneagram is, though, keep in mind that it is still only a tool and cannot replace nor usurp the precepts that are found in God's Word. We are responsible for all the decisions and the actions that we make in life, and they must be in harmony with God's precepts. So the question for the next several weeks will be, Hey Gramps, why do people act or react to situations and circumstances in life so differently? How can I gain wisdom to better understand myself and others so that I can love, serve, and minister to them on a deeper level? So let's begin with the Enneagram type combinations for today. And the first one will be the Enneagram type 5, the investigator, with the Enneagram type 8, the challenger. What each type brings to the relationship. These two types bring to each other complementary and reciprocal talents. Just what the other needs but are not necessarily aware of. For instance, Enneagram's 5s need to be more identified with their body and with their instinctive energy. They need to be more engaged with the practical world and to feel their own sense of power and capacity. They can learn these qualities from the eights. On the other hand, eights need to be more thoughtful and aware of the impact of their actions on themselves and on their environment. 
They need to know more and to think about the consequences more carefully before acting. Every action produces a reaction, and it is not necessarily the ones that eights want to happen. This kind of analytic foresight is something eights can learn from fives. Besides these qualities, both fives and eights bring a common insistence on independence and non-interference with each other. Both types are aware of boundaries and dislike intrusion. Both enjoy a good debate, and both admire someone who stands up for themselves intellectually and also physically. Both types feel sort of like misfits, and so they understand each other's emotional core, often in an unspoken way. Both types need personal space, and when they find each other, they can show a surprising degree of need and vulnerability. They see the other person behind the defense, relating to the other's sense of dignity and hidden vulnerabilities. Both can be stoical toward their own suffering and unhappiness with little or no self-pity. As a couple, they can bring power and depth, action and thoughtfulness, brilliance and brashness to their world. They are also natural protectors and advisors of each other. Eights love to protect less, though, than fives do, and fives help the eight to recognize the subtleties of their plans and actions. These two types can, therefore, band together as a coalition of power and brains, a formable combination. But what are some of the potential trouble spots between a type five and a type eight? Fives are not much in touch with their physical bodies. They identify with their mind and are indifferent to virtually all the physical and practical goals of the more earthly eights. Not wanting a house, a company, or a spouse are all sources of pride to the average fives who feel good about themselves when they can cut off from their needs and learn to do without. Eights, by contrast, take pride in their earthly conquest, whether socially, financially, sexually, or psychologically. Making their mark on their environment is the primary goal of eights, and they often use their physical stature and energy to intimidate people and enforce their wills. Thus, the more secure the two types become, the more they react in completely opposite ways. Five shut down more completely, become more taciturn, secretive, and isolated, while eights become more confrontational, threatening, and enraged. The biggest problems is at their lower levels. These two will separate physically from each other and any real communication ceases to take place. Lower functioning fives tend to lose respect for anyone they judge to be irrational, destructive, or out of control. The storminess and threats of unhealthy eights terrifies the fives, who must physically leave that environment to feel safe. They know and will attack each other's vulnerabilities if sufficiently provoked, and both fives and eights tend to provoke each other as a way of protecting themselves. Both types are also sensitive to rejection, and they both tend to feel rejected easily. The five's departure will trigger a strong rejection reaction in the eights, who will likely retaliate in any way that he or she can. An eight's departure will trigger the five's rejection feelings, but more likely with a collapse into cynicism and depression. Both can be extremely cynical, and the demise of the relationship only confirms their darkest opinions about the possibility of human beings living together. Let's move on to the next Enneagram type combination, the Enneagram type 5, the investigator, with the Enneagram type 9, the peacemaker. What each type brings to the relationship. An Enneagram 5-9 pair gives each other a great deal of personal and emotional space for activities and for doing things on their own. Neither one will hover or intrude on the other, although their capacity for healthy emotional connection and interest in each other is still present. 
This pair is characterized by a sense of quiet, non-intrusiveness, spaciousness, and respect for each other's boundaries, work, and individuality. Nines are also undemanding and uncritical. Nines are the more emotional of these two types, but even so, nines do not always know what they are feeling or how to express themselves adequately. They appreciate the five's ability to be curious about them and to draw them out of the kind of inner fuzziness that nines can get into. Nines appreciate the five's intellectual sharpness, ability to ask the right questions, to remember things, to be objective, and to be patient. Fives appreciate nines' warmth, and when there is real personal or sexual connection between them, their nurturing qualities. Fives usually feel dry and cut off from emotional sustenance. If they find this in someone, it is likely to be the nine who can offer the unquestioning acceptance, sensual comfort, and tenderness. Nines often make fives relax deeply and completely, something fives need very much. Both types have an intellectual component. If they are more or less on an intellectual par with each other, they can be a powerful and stimulating couple. The pungent wit of the five is softened by the droll understanding of the nine. Both appreciate the irrational and the absurd, although fives dig far deeper into the dark areas of life than nines do. This pair can be a case of two people initiating the other into often different worldviews. The idealism with the realism, the sunlight and the darkness both have a place here. But what are some of the potential trouble spots between the Enneagram Type 5 and the Enneagram Type 9? Tensions between the 5s and 9s can begin to grow as a result of the very amount of space that they are willing and able to give to each other. Both are highly aware of boundaries and the feelings pressured or intruded on by anyone, and so they tend to expect the unusual degree of independence from the other and to give a large degree of freedom to the other without being asked. For this reason, it is often difficult for fives and nines to take the initiative, to make a date for an instance, or to be decisive about calling on a regular basis, or even to know what their feelings are telling them about the other. There may well be a great deal of comfort and intellectual rapport, but one or both of the couple may be relatively cut off from their feelings so they do not actually know how much they care for the other, or even if they are in love. Nines tend to be more emotionally available and fluid in this regard, liking and even idealizing the fives while they are together, but quickly forgetting those positive feelings when the person is away. Nines easily get into the out-of-sight, out-of-mind state where the other might as well not exist if they are not physically together. Nines can also idealize the others so much when they are together that the fives cannot really live up to this image that the nines have of them in their imagination. Fives, on the other hand, can become frustrated by this on-again, off-again attention to the nine and begin to become cynical and pessimistic about the relationship. Analyzing the nines and intellectually dissecting the relationship both as a defense from being hurt and a way to express anger over their disappointment. Both types can be disconnected from themselves and from the other, living in projections and imaginations rather than seeing the other for who they really are. Work and solitary interests can take the five's attention and the pursuit of peace and more supportive relationship can draw nines away. Unless there is an intense reason to see each other frequently, the stubbornness, inertia, and autonomy issue of the nines will mix with their withdrawal, detachment, and the indifference of the fives, and the relationship will eventually wither away. And now let's move on to the third Enneagram Type combination, which is the Enneagram Type 6, the Loyalist, with the Enneagram Type 6, the Loyalist. What each type brings to the relationship. 
As with all double type relationships, two Enneagram sixes generally bring the same qualities to each other. Therein lies both the main source of attraction as well as one of the main pitfalls. Thus, the level of health of each person is especially important as these type of relationships are their dominant instincts. Strong six couples understand each other deeply and make a point of trying to understand what they don't understand. Two sixes can usually bond with each other very quickly, sensing a kindred spirit, and they can rapidly develop a playful, bantering, buddy-in-arms kind of excited collusion and relief, like two kids who have found each other in the woods and can help each other to safety. The double six couple will have a sense of shared secrets and values, of intellectual stimulation and questioning that they find both useful and stimulating. Trust is extremely important in both sixes, and once it is established, it allows them to relax and enjoy themselves as they do with few others. Trust allows the double six couples to think aloud and to test their ideas, voice their doubts and suspicions, and discover what they really feel about various things. They give each other a lot of support and mutual protection, and are ready to come to the other's aids without hesitation. Loyalty, commitment, and a you-are-my-friends-no-question-ask attitude reinforces a feeling of security and safety that they build together. They can also be a great deal of unspoken sensitivity and delicacy in a double-six relationship. Sixes are generally not adept at talking about their feelings directly, so their feelings and attitudes are mostly expressed in their actions and in the depth of their dedication and steadfastness. Each person also inspires the other, as each works for the other's welfare and happiness, often more energetically for their own alone. But what are some of the potential trouble spots between an Enneagram Type 6 with an Enneagram Type 6? Double six couples, whether in an intimate or professional situations, tend to be emotionally reactive, and once the spirit of negativity or scarcity enters the picture, their fears can begin to feed off each other. Double six pairs can get into the worst case scenarios and other forms of catastrophe, each magnifying the problems until they both feel like crises are everywhere and that they are doomed. Sometimes extreme reactions will cause them to act impulsively without thinking about their situation or finding an adequate solution to their problems. They may arbitrarily take action, any action that promises to relieve their anxiety. On the other hand, double six couples can become indecisive and fall into feelings of a stalemate and confusion, unable to act and unable to get a perspective on their problems. Since they are also emotionally reactive, they tend to become edgy and argumentative with each other, often blaming the other for the situation and for not providing a solution. Shifting blame back and forth can be like a ping pong match whose main objective is to keep the connection with the other by keeping them in the argument to buy time to work through their anxieties so that a solution may appear. Double six couples can be one of the most keyed up of pairings with lots of yelling, outbursts, arguments, blaming, and making up in the mix. In their lower levels, there can be an openly worried, semi-hysterical atmosphere that keeps everyone on edge with nervous pessimism. And yet, it is difficult to break the pattern because so many double sixes' fears are irrational and based on speculations about the future. There is no way to settle them logically until the future happens. Double six couples, therefore, tend to wear each other out with negativity, worrying, suspicion, and eventually mistrust of each other. Accusations and feelings of betrayal or lack of support can be part of the picture as the couple sours and finds it almost impossible to re-establish the trust 
and the old friendly, playful spirit that they once had. That covers us the 12th group of three for a total of 36 out of the 45 type combinations. We will continue each week to look into three additional type combinations as we work our way through all the numbers. Regardless of your personality type and the personality types of those whom you interact with both in person and online, we must follow God's word as we are told in John chapter 13 verses 34 and 35. So now I am giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove that you are my disciples. And also in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Join us again next Friday as we explore further the Enneagram on our Ask Gramps episode. We will continue to explore the type combinations and how best to maintain meaningful and productive relationships with each other. The information that we discover will allow you to unlock who we are as we travel on this trek of life and discover more about ourselves and the others that we impact in God's kingdom. I know that you'll find these insights interesting, practical, and profitable in living a rich and satisfying life. Our next trek will be Meditation Monday, where we will help you to reflect on those most important areas of life. So encourage your friends and family to join us and then come along with us on Monday for another day of Wisdom Trek creating a legacy. If you'd like to listen to in the past 1052 daily treks or read the associated journals, they are all available on wisdom-trek.com. And I encourage you to subscribe to Wisdom Trek on your favorite podcast player so that each day will be downloaded to you automatically. And thank you so much for allowing me to be your guide, your mentor, but most importantly, I am your friend as I serve you through the Wisdom Trek podcast and journal. And as we take this trek of life together, let us always live abundantly, love unconditionally, listen intentionally, learn continuously, lend to others generously, lead with integrity, and then leave a living legacy each day. I am Guthrie Chamberlain reminding you to... Keep moving forward, enjoy your journey, and then create a great day every day. See you on Monday.